listening to Goal Line Extended on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome to Goal Line Extended on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Today is Friday, July 9th, and I'm your host, Ryan Holtzbus. Glad that you could join us as we get set to look ahead to week five of the PLO season up north and out west in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And all the action will get started tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock. But before we get into that, let me welcome in flag analyst Harrison Silcox as we get set to dive into this weekend's games, as well as some other major headlines surrounding lacrosse. Harrison, welcome back to GLE. How are we feeling on this Friday afternoon? Looking ahead to our last full slate of pro lacrosse before we hit a two-week bye period here on the PLO schedule. Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. The league's in, in a nice rhythm with games here over the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, the parity in the league really hasn't – I think this is the best it's been uh, in its three years running, so it's going well. Absolutely. You mentioned there the parity of the league. In, in 2020 – or in 2019, excuse me, it was kind of like we had our really good teams, uh, and then towards the end, obviously, the Redwoods were only 5-5 five and five there uh, in the playoffs. They get all the way to the championship there in 2019. But we saw last year kind of the difference between our upper tier and lower tier of teams. We thought the same thing, I think, coming into this season, but we've seen, obviously, the Atlas kind of started towards the bottom. They've flipped. They've become one of the best teams in the league. So really exciting uh, through the first uh, few weeks. And then just as a disclaimer for everybody, that's watching or listening. Uh, I got a rainstorm here that just started above me. I know Harrison's got some thunder there behind him. So if you hear anything, uh, don't worry. We you know we got storms here. That hurricane, I believe, uh, making its way up the coast. But a really exciting weekend of lacrosse ahead of us as we'll see the Cannons and Water Dogs tonight in a rematch of week one. And then they'll both play again on Sunday. The Cannons against the Archers and the Water Dogs against the Chrome. We also have a 2019 championship and a 2020 semifinal rematch on Saturday. Saturday between the Redwoods and Whipsnakes, and then that game will be followed by the Atlas and the Chaos to close out our Saturday afternoon ahead of those Sunday games. But before we get into those uh, games this weekend and talking about really just the PLO in general, we got breaking news yesterday that the National Lacrosse League has agreed to a multi-year broadcasting deal with TSN Sports, which is Canada's number one sports uh sports broadcasting network to broadcast NLO games on television and live stream games across TSN digital platforms, which for the NLO and lacrosse, this is huge news as TSN will get exclusive rights to the regular season NLO game of the week, as well as the playoffs and championship series. Yeah, it's a big deal. Obviously awesome for the sport. Uh, I, I myself am not Canadian. I live down here in the States. So uh, for me personally, it doesn't quite mean much, uh, but I do understand that uh, it sounds like there could be some news coming for people who aren't from Canada. But regardless, when you get an announcement like this uh, for these games to be on TSN, I mean, it's just nothing but good news for the sport. I don't really see how you could complain about it. Uh, we've talked a lot about the growth of the game, how we want to see the game kind of expand uh, and get into more households. And the way you do that, you make viewing the game uh, as easily accessible as you possibly can for it to be on TSN. That's one check mark there. And then the presentation of the broadcast needs to be good. You know, I mean, really bad quality streams, C quality broadcasters. I mean, that, that kind of stuff doesn't cut it uh, in 2021. So it's nice to see uh, pro lacrosse here over these last few years, taking those steps to legitimizing itself from the broadcast side of things. The talent is there. And now we're finding ways with the PLL, it's NBC, uh, NLL, we've got TSN now, uh, where you're finding ways to showcase this talent with a broadcast that it deserves. I, I think it's really exciting for the sport. Absolutely. And then you mentioned it there, the PLL with NBC, obviously 
uh, now the NLL with TSN. I'd imagine there's going to be some sort of uh, maybe not a, not a TSN plus per se, but something like that, a streaming service that I'd imagine people up north of the border uh, in Canada would have to pay in order to have that subscription for, uh, I would imagine, most of the game. Stuff that we will find out, though, as more details of this deal comes out. But we're excited for the NLL, excited for the fans up in Canada that will be able to get live broadcasted games. And we're looking forward to something here in the States very soon. As you mentioned, uh, the league announced that a broadcasting deal would be coming next for us here in the United States. So me and you both waiting for that, uh, as well as a season schedule, which we should be getting very soon. But we're very excited to be getting professional box lacrosse back after we've been without it already now for about a year and a half. And then along with the NLL, we will be getting junior box lacrosse back in Canada as the BCJALL in British Columbia began play this past Tuesday. And then this morning, the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League announced their plans for a 2021 season with 44 regular season games to be played, which will begin on July 24th and end on August 7th. So we have the NLL coming back live on TSN for all our Canadians, and then the BCJALL and the OJALL, uh, excuse me, was the OJALL, uh, finally back despite Lacrosse Canada originally calling off all competition this spring. So very excited uh, for that. Let's move on now to the PLO as we have a pretty loaded weekend here of games as we usually do. Five games on the slate. Let's start, though, on Sunday afternoon. We'll have the Chrome and the Water Dogs. The Water Dogs will be on uh, the back half of their weekend doubleheader as they start uh, tonight against the Cannons, but the Chrome favored by a goal and a half. They're coming off back-to-back -back wins against undefeated teams in the Whip Snakes there in week three, the Archers last weekend in week four, uh, before that loss to the Atlas there on their back half of, of the doubleheader. This is for the Chrome. Uh, they will be uh, – this will be the Water Dogs' second game on their doubleheader. We'll get to them in a moment. But the Chrome, how do they get back on track against a Water Dogs team that has been struggling, although we still don't know the status of attackman Jordan Wolf, who hasn't played since week one. How does Chrome get on get back on track, though? Yeah, I think one thing that I look at here uh, when I look at this matchup, one thing that helps the Chrome get back on track is just the fact of that second game of the weekend for the teams that have to play on – Friday as well as Sunday. I mean, you look at the last, you know, three straight weekends of lacrosse, we've kind of started to see uh, teams feel a little bit of that exhaustion. We saw it affect the the whip snakes with guys getting hurt. I mean, Matt Rambo still not playing when they play two games in, in that weekend. So Chrome are going to get a few days of extra rest. The water dogs are going to be playing Friday night. So I think that automatically plays into their favor. Um, and then I, I'm interested to see who's going to be in goal for the Chrome. Obviously, John Galloway playing as well uh, as he did to start the weekend. Scannoni didn't exactly have the best day himself. Uh, but if Galloway continues to play hot, that's going to be a big factor in the Chrome getting back on track. I really like what I'm seeing out of this offense, even in the absence of Jordan Wolf. I think the Chrome, they're not necessarily a team that's been struggling to find consistency this year. I just think that they weren't given a chance uh, to hit the ground running when you see Jordan Wolf go down with an injury in game one of, at the very beginning of the season. And now with Jackson Morrill, Colin Heacock are really kind of finding their groove in this offense. And with John Galloway, uh, you know, the, the lacrosse veteran that he is, finding his way in between the pipes. I mean, to, to have save percentages above 70% games of 20 plus saves is ridiculous. They think the Chrome, I mean, they're, they're on a good track. They just kind of, I mean, they run into a difficult weekend last week playing two games, but then it comes back this week with those extra two days of rest. And, and for the Water Dogs, I think one thing that 
with the way the Water Dogs have played this season that also plays in favor of the Chrome is they're a team that I just really don't know what I'm going to get from them on a weekly basis. I felt last week they played great, putting up 16 goals against uh, the Redwoods defense, which is one of the better defenses in the league. Um, but then so, some, some games that offense has looked fantastic. And like an offense that can score 16 goals in one game. And then, and then you have, you know, if you go back to their season opener, where, I mean, their power play was terrible and it didn't look like the hustle was there. So when you, when you talk about that matchup, I think it favors the Chrome. I think that's a game for them to get back on track, mostly because it's extra days of rest. The power play for the Wardogs, something that has been getting Dan Arestia, uh, our lacrosse insider, very fired up here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just kind of the lack of movement. But there, uh, you mentioned it with the Wardogs. They have been struggling. It's kind of been like a, a week-to-week thing. I could even argue that this past weekend against the Redwoods, you could say uh, the weather really didn't play to the goalie's advantage there. Obviously, the weather in Long Island was pretty uh, – Pretty tough there uh, on Saturday. But for the Wardogs, they've been struggling. Most notably, goalie Dylan Ward, who was replaced by Charlie Cipriano in the second half of last weekend's game against the Redwoods. And with this doubleheader this weekend for the Wardogs and along with Ward's recent uh, struggles, do you expect to see all three goalies, Ward, Cipriano, and DeLuca, all dressed at some point this week, whether they use one of those two reserve spots for one of those goalies? And do you expect to see one of them out there besides Ward at any point here during this weekend? I think that you start the weekend with Ward just because you know what the capability is. Um, When you see him when he's on his game, he's one of the best, if not, uh, you know, the best goalie in the world. Uh, When you look back to those, you know, the 2018 World Games, I mean, that Dylan Ward was a brick wall. I mean, he was unbelievable and, and almost, you know, helped Canada win gold medal then. So it's hard to not go with that to start the weekend. But I think, yeah, if he does struggle, you might see Cipriano and DeLuca maybe see some time with a game on Friday and a game on Sunday uh, if Ward continues to struggle this year. With that goalie situation, I I would really like to see DeLuca get some more chances in net. I know he did in the bubble last season uh, as a rookie. I just think his size and frame, if you want to look at ceiling for goalies uh, on that team, I think DeLuca has the highest ceiling. Now, you know, I don't know what he looks like in practice. I'm not sure how the coaching staff feels about him putting him in net. There's also, you know, the communication with the players around him that comes with playing a goalie. It's kind of a difficult position to evaluate if you never played it yourself. But uh, I would like to see DeLuca maybe get some time this weekend if they are going to juggle who they're going to throw in net you know, with two games and, and their starting goaltender already struggling. So uh, I think you start with Ward, you see how he plays, you see where it goes from there, and then you just got to feel it out and you've got to communicate with your players from a coaching standpoint and see where the weekend goes. Ward was traded back uh, in late April for uh, a first-round selection and uh, Chris Cloutier from the Water Dogs to the chaos to get Dylan Ward. He has struggled, has not been putting up great save percentage numbers or just save numbers in general, but we're hoping that he's able to turn this around. Uh, you know, obviously this Water Dogs team trying to get back on track. They are 2-3, and three, minus 11 goal differential, so trying uh, definitely to get back on track. As for the Chrome, uh, I believe the reason me and Austin talked about this 
there on Tuesday's PLL Flash. Sean Scannoni was scheduled to get that start. I believe John Galloway wasn't available there for that Sunday game. So we should see Galloway, might see Scannoni, who knows. Uh, you know, we Very odd weekend, as me and Austin talked about on Tuesday, uh, this past weekend for goalies. We saw a ton of guys get pulled, obviously, in that Redwoods Water Dogs game. Both guys got pulled. Uh, so something that we will watch going into this weekend and something definitely to keep in mind. Let's move on to Sunday night's game. We have the Cannons and the Archers. The Cannons playing on their second game there of that weekend doubleheader. The Archers favored by a goal and a half, coming off uh, back-to-back losses on their doubleheader last weekend in Long Island. But let's start with the Cannons. They traded Chris Hogan and Drew Simino for face-off specialist Kevin Reisman earlier this week as the face-off carousel continues for this Cannons team as they began with Tommy Kelly, Drew Simino, and Brendan Fowler out of expansion. Fowler's been on injured reserve since before the start of the season. Kelly was then released ahead of last weekend with 2020 first-round pick Payne Smith signed. And then on Monday night, as I mentioned there before, Simino was included in that trade for Kevin Reisman, who was Coach Quirk and the Cannons' uh, go-to guy there in the bubble there in 2020, which ended up winning that 2020 MLO championship. So Quirk trying to go back to a familiar face to figure out his team's struggles at the face-off stripe. Do you believe that Reisman is the guy to turn to uh, for the Cannons to try to turn this season around as they go into week five with a minus one goal differential? But as we've been talking about, they sit at the bottom of the standings at one and four, but they've looked like one of the best teams here in the league. Yeah, they, they've looked like one of the better teams, but they just really haven't been able to close the door in some of these games. And Reisman might be the answer to some of those issues. The biggest issue when you're like, man, I mean, you look at how Rabel's playing this season, a team with Lyle Thompson, Stephen Rapis has shined well as a rookie in the league, uh, short stick D-mid uh, like Zach Goodrich, and just the, the veteran leadership on that defense it leaves you kind of wondering what's going on with the cannons. And the, the first thing that stands out is 36% on faceoffs this year. And, and Reisman, why not? If you're Sean Quirk, why not just, just give it a go? This guy, he worked for you last year in the bubble. You won a championship with him. So, so why not give him a shot? The only thing I wonder here is when you look at Quirk, he's, he's toying with the roster. You understand why he's just trying to figure out how they can finish some of these games. Um, with, with adding Reisman and, and adding Trimboli, does it get to a point where you're moving your roster around too much? That's the only thing thing I wonder here. I don't know what the face-off guy, I mean, it's such a specific position. Um, I'm not sure how much limited practice time will affect that, which is why I think Reisman was, was a great uh, trade it, when, you, when you look at the pieces that he sent over. But um, I do wonder with bringing in guys uh, like Trimboli, you know, how quickly is he going to be able to get adjusted to things? How quickly is your locker room going to be able to gel if you're going to continue to move pieces around? But with that minus one goal differential, just a few extra faceoff wins, if you can get that from Reisman, that's going to be a huge difference. And this is a team that they really need to win some games because you just win one game. That goal differential is likely going to be enough to boost you into the playoffs. All you need to do is just not come in last place in the league. But right now they're one and four. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned that they've got the game against the Archers, um, plus game on Friday nights, uh, and then they close out their season. Um, I lost them my notes. Dang it. I can't find it. Hang on. Oh, I had it in my notes earlier. I was looking at so the, the wrong cannons, spot. I got the Atlas there in week seven. 
and I've got Chrome in week eight. So two winnable uh, um, now I wouldn't say two winnable games, but two should we should see two very good games there uh, to finish out the season there for the Cannons. Yeah, uh, we should. And, and like I said, I mean, one and four, no need to panic. Um, but, you know, when you got a doubleheader weekend, the back ends against the Archers, you got to win, and, and Reisman's got to be the, the guy at face off. Cannons are one and four with those four games left, including tonight. Uh, really, one chance, what one loss uh, they have to give in order uh, to try to stay above 500 if they are able to go three and one here. They would finish at 500. So, something that we will. Uh, watch as the season goes on but you were mentioned just just the the roster movement here for the cannons of the 18 expansion draft selections by coach quirk back in march only nine still remain on the roster and then sam duggan uh among that nine that's still on the roster he has not dressed since the cannons opener against the redwood so he is available there for any team that will that would want to pick him up off the reserve roster which the cannons traded uh short stick defensive midfielder uh, Chris Hogan, who well, we also thought, I, me and Austin talking about this last two or last Tuesday, just as uh, as that trade was announced. You know, we didn't expect Hogan to necessarily get traded. We thought, oh, if he's left off this Week Five roster, we'd imagine that he might get picked up by a team there off the reserve uh, roster process. But he is traded. Very interesting trade uh, as the Whipsnakes get Drew Simnoe and Chris Hogan, but also for the Cannons uh, in a game where midfielder Paul Rabel set the all-time point-scoring record in professional field across. He and short-stick defensive midfielder Tyson Bell were fined this week by the league following an all, the uh, on-field altercations that we saw in their loss to the Chaos this past weekend, along with Chaos defenseman Jack Rowlett. He was fined for contact with an official. Uh, so we're seeing something that we questioned there early in the season for the Mac Gaudet and Austin Stotts uh, situation, something that we didn't expect to see something similar to that. But in terms of uh, incidents, whether it's on the field or off the field, how will the league uh, look at just different players, the superstars? How will they approach the superstars compared to the guys that aren't necessarily the superstars? We see here a guy like Rowlett who you can kind of have in between there as a superstar, non-superstar, but Paul Rabel, 100% a superstar, the co-founder of the league, uh, being treated the same way as a guy like Tyson Bell, who's kind of just, you know, a young name getting himself here in, in the PLO. Yeah, uh, I like it. Uh, I, I like that Rabel gets gets fined there because, I mean, you you know that you, you're going to give yourself special perks in some situations when you're still a player in the league, but you're a cone or like, right? It's, it's not a surprise that, I mean, Rabel has typically been getting the NBC games back to his days with the Atlas and the first two years and, and how – and it kind of always seems like that his team will fall into that slot. That's maybe one of the, the bigger games, the NBC Sports Network, whatever. You know, th there's things like that um, that, that go on with the league. And that's kind of expected when he's, again, in that position that he's in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you you get an altercation at the end of the game uh, where, you, where, you know, in, in a video, you're throwing a helmet at another player's face. Like, you can't not be fined for that. I mean, at the end of the day, you are still a player, no different than – a guy like Rowlett or Tyson Bell. So, you know, I think the fine is the right move there. I don't know how much the fine is. I, I think the league at times has been kind of weird on ha how they handle discipline where maybe in some, some dirty hits uh, that have happened in games where we kind of wonder, okay, are they going to do anything? And then maybe really late in the week, they finally decide to address it, whether it's a fine or, uh, you know, some sort of temporary suspension. Uh, but I, I think the fine's the right move here. And, yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've got to treat players in, in a league that is made for the players. 
uh, you, you've also got to treat them the same way as well. Um, I think that really the only issue that I saw in this game was how, you know, in the rule books, fighting is allowed, but you have ejections for some, some fish being thrown. So I think, you know, there's a, a gray area there on whether or not are you really allowing fighting or are you just allowing these little scrums in between plays, whatever they may be. So I, I like to find, I think the biggest issue that, that I had was, do we really allow fighting in this league? Because I, I don't know at this point. We saw there uh, in, at the end of the first half, Josh Byrne got his helmet ripped off and so clean, just tossed off the gloves. He was ready to go, throw some fists. Uh, very exciting stuff. Well, uh, as you're saying, a lot of gray area in terms of uh, you know on-field altercation, something that we'll hope that the league can maybe iron out here, uh, whether it's this offseason or just, just going forward. But let's talk about the Archers real quick here in this matchup with the Cannons. They are coming off back-to-back -back losses out on Long Island, and since – both were just by one goal. They still hold a plus 23 goal differential, which is the best in the league by a pretty wide margin. But how did the Archers get back on track here before this two-week All-Star break? Yeah, I think uh, it's a good opportunity for them to kind of circle the wagons here a little bit because when you have that 23 goal differential, I mean, I, I don't see a scenario where they don't make the playoffs. I understand like nobody's really clinched a spot or anything yet, but I mean, they're so far ahead of everybody else that unless they have a couple serious blowouts here, I mean, that goal differential isn't going anywhere. So take a deep breath. No need to panic. Your team's healthy um, and, and you've got an extra day of rest. We've talked about the double headers already a few times here. Um, so I think with the versatility of that offense, I, I really think we're not talking enough about Graham Hasek and what he's been able to add defensively to this Atlas unit, which I think was really like, I mean, you, you could critique their face-offs, but I think they really lacked like a true enforcer on defense. And I think Hasek is just kind of that big physical presence uh, that they really enjoy. And then just, I mean, it kind of slid under the radar a little bit, but like Trey LeClaire, I mean, played his first PLL game last weekend, which is an even better sign for an offense that's already just crazy versatile. So um, just relax. No need to panic. You dropped two last weekend. It's no big deal. I mean, the real goal here is to get the playoffs. And that an undefeated season doesn't do anything for you. The goal differential does. So I think the only thing is, you know, don't maybe get too comfortable with your rest because, I mean, yeah, the Cannons, we just mentioned they need some wins. They're one and four. They're, they're hungry, maybe a little bit desperate. So don't get too comfortable if you're the Archers here. But, I mean, a team led by Tom Schreiber, Grant Amen, who's one of the best young players in the country, and then just all the other surrounding supporting cast on that team. Nothing to panic about when they have the goal differential that they have. So I, I think the Archers are, should feel very comfortable coming into this week against the competition that they have. I think the betting line is favored by two and a half. So I think that's pretty fair as well. So I, I think that offense is going to come out cooking after a disappointing weekend last year, but or last weekend. But I, I think they're ready to go. One of the top offenses in the league. And as you mentioned, Trey LeClaire getting his PLO debut in there last weekend. And me and Jordan Johnson on this show last weekend, he was saying how he he questioned whether Chris Bates would throw LeClaire like right into the fire, just throw him right out there. You don't want to mess with the chemistry you already have. I saw Trey LeClaire out there, I believe, on the first offensive run. So it's kind of like, yeah, like the Archers bring in Trey LeClaire with the mindset that, yeah, he's going to be one of their top guys. Exciting stuff as we see a handful 
of young players get accumulated here in the PLO. And then in terms of the goalie position, we saw Drew Adams start on Friday night against Chrome in that loss. Adam Gittleman started on Sunday. I believe we heard Chris Bates say on Friday night that whoever starts on Sunday was the guy going forward. So expecting that Adam Gittleman will start in goal this Sunday against the Cannons. Let's move on to Saturday night as we have the Atlas and the Chaos there as our second game. We'll go back to the Redwood and the Whips in a minute, but Atlas and Chaos, Atlas favored by a goal in the half, and they have been playing some of the best lacrosse over the past two weekends. Brian Costabile, he's been incredible. He scored six points last weekend en route to that Atlas win over the Chrome, but the question mark for the Atlas coming into this Saturday night matchup will be around the goalie position as Jack Cannon was placed on injured reserve this week with a groin injury. Tate Boyce was added off the Chrome Reserve roster to add some depth behind J.D. Calaruso, who we expect will get his first PLL start this weekend after coming in relief last weekend for Concannon. Uh, do you believe that that you know Calaruso's got what it takes here in this matchup against the Chaos uh, to help them stay hot and uh, get this one? Uh, I'm really not sure uh, to give kind of not the best answer to that question, uh, but I think the goalie position, it's just so hard to evaluate. And each goalie, I mean, th they have a different mindset with how they approach the game. So I, I, I'm going to be curious to see how the first quarter goes for Calvary. So maybe he gets a couple clean saves early in the game, a couple easy saves that maybe build up his confidence. Maybe the chaos will kind of try to throw some weird looks at him. Maybe um, you know, guys who know their scouting report and how they shoot or how they play, maybe they'll try to do some different things, get in his head early on. It's kind of a tough thing to evaluate, but it really is a big question mark going into this game um, because you know, the Chaos Heart team, they look a lot different in how they looked at the beginning of the season. Um, they've really figured out really good ways to use Mac O'Keefe, which is a scary sign for any goaltender that's staring down a Mac O'Keefe shot. Um, so, a, this first quarter, I think, is going to be uh, really huge for setting the tone as far as how goaltending is going to go for the Atlas on Saturday, um, because I, I think that they're the most consistent team over the last few weeks. They dropped a close game to the Whip Snakes. They've won two straight. Jeff T is everything that you want in your first overall pick. Concanon had been playing great lacrosse until he does get hurt. So it seemed like the pieces were coming together for Atlas. Rubio was getting the play that he wants out of his team since he took his coaching job, but now kind of got to take a step back and say, okay, what, what are we going to see here at net? Because, you know, you, your offense can play great. Your defense can play great. But at the end of the day, if your goalie play isn't there, uh, that, that can be the difference maker in a win or a loss or a huge gap in, in your score differential, which is key in the standing. So, I really don't know the best way to answer that question other than we're just going to have to sit and watch and see what happens this weekend. As you're saying, goalie play obviously playing a big role. I mean, Blaze Reardon for the chaos is really the reason why they've been getting I mean, the two wins that they have, really the big reason why they have those two big win, wins, making 18-plus saves uh, per game. But he came up big there, only allowing two goals last weekend against the Cannons, in that, or I believe one goal actually in that second half against the Cannons as the as the uh, chaos, excuse me, roared back, able to get that win against the Cannons. Uh, what impressed you most about that game, and what do you think in that win can carry over here uh, to this one against the Atlas? I think really what's going to carry over every game for the chaos is, I mean, Blaze is just going to continue to make saves. Uh, he sees a lot of shots and he saves a lot of them oh, as shots. well. That's the reason why he leads the league in saves. Uh, he's a two-time goalie of the year. So, I mean, that's what you're going to get 
in terms of just week in and week out, the consistency in between the pipes. Uh, I think chaos, they really need to take advantage of, though, you know, the goaltender situation we just talked about with the Atlas. Um, you know, if I'm this team, if I'm this offense, I'm trying to figure out how can we throw different looks? How can we maybe confuse this defense, get them on their heels a little bit early uh, and really take advantage of Cal Russo in net, assuming that he's going to get the start. Um, so chaos, you know, the goaltending is going to be there. I expect that to carry over. The thing that uh, I do want to see as well, though, is uh, come out. You don't want it. You don't want any more injections, right? You already, you, you dealt with that drama. You want to move on from it. I think that they want to pepper shots on cage and, and then, protect their goalie on defense because blaze does see a lot of shots he does and you know he's going to make saves but when you're letting you know as many shots go by you as this chaos defense does it's when it becomes problematic and that's where i look at a guy like jared newman uh to really step up and and lead this defense in situations like that where shots aren't the end of the world if you're letting them off but you just don't want to let off too many and you want to make sure they're not good looks and Teams are getting a lot of good looks against chaos. It's one reason why they struggled at the start of the year. Um, but they're going to need that goaltending to carry over each game unless this defense can make any sort of adjustments if chaos want to find some wins. Chaos coming into this week five matchup with the Atlas coming off uh, two straight wins against the Redwoods and against the Canyons. So we will see if they can stay high here, get a third win in a row. But for the Atlas, Jeff Teat will be making his first start against the Chaos. If you remember, the Chaos last season drafted Jeff Teat in the second round of the two-round 2020 college draft. So Jeff Teat will be getting his first chance to play against the team that he could have played on if he didn't try to return to play college cross, uh, obviously he was not able to since Cornell did not play this past spring. But Jeff T. now with the Atlas. We're very excited uh, for this matchup, obviously with Blaze Reardon, one of the best goalies in the game. PLL All-Star captain, which we will get into those PLL uh, All-Star game rosters in a little bit. But let's fast forward from Saturday night to Saturday afternoon as we have our game of the week between the Redwoods and the Whipsnakes. A 2019 championship, 2020 semifinal rematch as for the Whipsnakes you mentioned it before they'll be without Matt Rambo they'll also be without uh midfielder Connor Kirst rookie midfielder Connor Kirst uh but for the Redwoods the interesting thing I mean we talked about the goalie position there uh for a few of these teams Jack Kelly replaced Tim Troutner there in the second half of last week's game against the War Dogs which as I mentioned before the weather did not play to either of those goalies advantage also for the War Dogs the weather uh pretty crappy there on Long Island there Saturday afternoon but with how last weekend unfolded, who do you think gets the start for the Redwoods here against the two-time defending champs in the goal? I think you go with Tim Troutner. Uh, as much of a cool story as Jack Kelly is and how cool it was to see kind of that comeback come full circle and the video of him after the game and just, just how emotional of a win that was. But I think you go with Troutner just because he's been your guy for two years. Uh, and yeah, Saturday last week wasn't really his best day. You mentioned it at the top uh, of the podcast that the weather really was not doing any favors for the goalies in that game. Part of the reason why it was 19 to 16 and as high scoring as it was. So I think Troutner's been your guy. He's played against the Squip Snakes team four times. Uh, one of those games was a win. Two of them have gone into overtime. Um, and those two games that did go into overtime were big playoff games. Uh, and the other one uh, was a blowout up in Canada, I believe. So I, I think that you just go with Troutner because – He's been the guy. He was the rookie of the year, but maybe there's a little bit more pressure on him, and and Matt might be in his ear saying, "Hey, if, if you're not on it these first two quarters, 
I put Kelly in last week. I'm not afraid to put him again in again this week because we all know the goaltender that, that Jack Kelly can be. So I think you start with Troutner. You kind of see where it goes from there. Um, I mean, a big thing here is obviously these coaches, they want to win these games, but you got to look at that score differential as well. So it gives some flexibility where if you're hanging tough with the team or if you want to try to play two different goalies, you know, loss isn't necessarily the end of the world, but I mean, just, it's as also as simple as if your goalie's not playing well, you're going to have to make the switch. But I think you start with Troutner and then maybe think about putting Kelly in. Something that we will see uh, as this game starts to unfold. Something that we'll uh, wait, obviously, until the broadcast for. Because as we saw there with a couple of these games, with Chrome uh, on Sunday with the Archers there on Friday night, we did not know who was starting for either of those teams uh, until, the broad, until the game started, until the broadcast uh, kicked up and got started. So something that we will wait until the game four to see who starts there in goal for the Redwoods. But for the Whip Snakes, uh, we might see Chris Hogan. I imagine we see Chris Hogan fresh off uh, this trade from the Cannons. Uh, Drew Simino also added in that trade at the face-off X, creating really – me and Austin talked about it there on Tuesday as well, one of the better face-off tandems, between, with, obviously with Joe Nardella and Drew Simino. We'll probably see uh, Simino dressed in those back-to-back week situations. But do you think we see Chris Hogan uh, dressed this weekend for the Whip Snakes? I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting that we see the Whip Snakes trade for Chris Hogan. I don't think that was any something many people thought was going to happen. I don't think people were surprised said, when we expected after this weekend if he didn't dress, then it's like yeah, someone can just pick him up off the reserve roster. But Quirk doing a good job getting some value for him back from from you know him being out on his team. Yeah, and, and I mean Hogan played against the Whip Snakes earlier in the season. The one game he played it. So maybe maybe Stag, maybe Stag saw something he liked there. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm not sure a lot of people expected Hogan to have the value to make other teams want to give up assets for him. Uh, but that's that's what we saw here. Obviously, I don't know what we said during those trade talks, but I, I didn't expect that to happen. So maybe the Whips see something in him where they're going to play him this weekend, uh, or maybe it was just kind of part of the deal for them trying to trade for Simino. I, I really have no idea. Um, I personally would love to see Chris Hogan play this weekend. Um, I mean, I know that the, the social media tour is going to be out there for him, you know, former NFL player. We all know the story there. Um, but he's just kind of a guy, when he steps on the field, I, I just kind of pay attention a little bit more, uh, to be perfectly honest, because I think it's it's so interesting whether or not you think he's a good or a bad player. Uh, it's not really the point I'm trying to make. It's just then, oh, hey, you know, there, there's a guy who used to play football who's trying to play in this league. Can he do it? Can he not do it? Um, so if he plays, I think it's really interesting. Is he going to be a massive game changer? I highly doubt it. Uh, there are so many pieces at play in this rivalry. I don't think Chris Hogan's going to come in and, and make a huge difference. I think Semino is going to make a bigger difference for this team if he does indeed play alongside Nardella. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely was a bit of a shocker to see, um, a, a football site break that news in the first place before the league could get ahead of it that Hogan was traded. Something that uh, we will see come, I imagine, sometime tonight. We're recording this Thursday afternoon, so whether it's tonight or tomorrow, which is Friday, we should get those rosters. We'll probably uh, see, well, we'll know at that point whether Hogan is at least going going to be dressing for the Whip Snakes or not, but something that we will watch for. Let's move to tonight's game as the War Dogs will take on the Cannons uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock as both of these teams, as we talked about before, sitting at the bottom of the standings, the Water Dogs at two and three with a minus eleven goal differential. They haven't looked great besides 
that week two where they got those two wins in Atlanta. And then the Cannons, on the other hand, are one and four, but they've lost three of those four games by just a goal. And aside from that second uh, second half collapse last week against the Chaos, the Cannons have looked like one of the better teams in the league. So a very important game for both of these teams. We talked about the Cannons' upcoming schedule here uh, going forward, especially with the Archers on Sunday. Very important game uh, for the Cannons. Very important weekend for both of these teams. Let's start with the Cannons, though. How do they get a W tonight and get their weekend started on a positive note? I think they've got to find a way to get Lyle going again offensively. Uh, he's he's kind of gone cold the last few games, and and I, I don't want this to get twisted. I don't think that Lyle is like a bad lacrosse player or anything. I mean, I mean you, you'd have to – it's insane to even consider that. But, I mean, as one of the league stars, I think it's fair to criticize him for the lack of points that he's produced over the last few weeks, especially when the Cannons have been playing relatively close games. I mean, you need Lyle Thompson to have better games than that. So I think they want to find a way to get him involved. Another guy I look at here in this offense is also Andrew Q. Um, I think he's just really good at finding open space off ball. Um, and last time – they played against the Water Dogs. Uh, you had Thompson and Q. They each had four goals. We obviously know that that Rabel's playing well, and I really like the pieces that this team has. Uh, but to get the win, obviously you want Lyle Thompson. A lot of people consider him to be the best player in the world. You, you want him to put up more than just a point, just one goal, and whatever the numbers are. But then we also mentioned that earlier that they need to win some face-offs as well. I think if you want to find a win, it's got to start at the face-off X, and then it's got to translate to Lyle Thompson at least having some sort of play on a goal for your team at the other end if you want to find a win here. For the Cannons, a tough, uh, in terms of the face-off, tough start uh, if Reisman is to get the start in this one against the War Dogs. Jake Withers has, uh, or just over the last two years, this year and last summer, uh, has been one of the tougher uh, face-off battles, even though we have seen T.D. Erland put up great numbers. We've seen guys put up great numbers, but Jake Withers uh, always puts up a battle there, especially uh, with Ryland Reese or Zach Curry or whoever else is on those wings with them. Uh, but likewise for this War Dogs team, trying to get back up to 500 in what has been an up-and-down season. Ward's been struggling, as we talked about before, but we've seen a couple bright spots. Connor Kelly was phenomenal last weekend. He scored eight points, including a two-pointer. Cam Ricardo stepped up and tallied a few goals. Zach Courier has been Zach Courier, uh, just putting up absolutely wild uh, and insane stat lines. But that hasn't turned into the uh, into wins. How do the Water Dogs change that tonight? I think that uh, I, I want to say a lot of it does start with Zach Courier, but I think that they also just want to see uh, their attack line. I think it was a breath of fresh air to see Connor Kelly getting going last weekend. Um, but I mean, just just keep riding Zach Courier as much as you possibly can because whenever he's on the field, he's gonna he's gonna fill up a stat Which sheet. He's and, on and the field a lot. Yeah, and there are important stats too. He causes turnovers. He gets ground balls. He wins you possessions. Right, you can have a bad day at the faceoff X. But you know that Courier is going to be there to get a ground ball if you don't win the clamp or to, you know, knock the ball out of somebody's stick. You may have just secured that ground ball and, and take it down the other end and just that versatile kind of two-way style that he plays. And I, I'm sure that if Zach Courier wanted to, he would play every single minute of every single game in, in the PLL of the season. And I think he's fully capable of that. So uh, I, I just think you just continue to write off that momentum that he brings to your team. And I mean, in the in the two man game that he was, you know, that, that the Water Dogs were running this last week, and I mean, Courier was fantastic. 
it was almost every time he got set up in some sort of two-man game, they, there was an opportunity to score. There was a shooter that got open, whether it was himself or somebody, you know, who just set a pick for him. He just knows the game so well. He sees the field so well. I, I think he's the water dog's best player. And I really think that if Ward is playing better lacrosse, if he's just playing, you know, at the, at it doesn't even have to be the top of his game. He just needs to be better than what he's played this season. I think the water dog's record looks a lot different. I know they've been very inconsistent this year, um, but when you take out that week one loss against the Cannons where there was just no hustle and uh, there were no shots on power plays and it just didn't look great, they've at least looked a lot different in a good way since that first week. And this team has seen flashes of the potential they have. I just think that if they want to find a win, the biggest place that they need an answer is in that. Absolutely. We will see there, uh, as we were talking about before, with the Water Dogs goalies, how Coach Copeland handles that situation. We imagine we'll see Ward, especially in tonight's game against uh, the Cannons. Uh, but question marks there for Sunday. We'll see how that goes. Before we wrap this thing up, Harry, uh, let's make some picks ahead of the weekend. And our entire Flash Staff picks will be available across Instagram and Twitter ahead of tonight's game. But let's start with tonight's game exclusively on Peacock at 8 p.m. Eastern. We have the Cannons favored by a goal and a half against the Water Dogs with the over-under set at 26-and-a-half. Who do you got on this one? I went with the Water Dogs. I just really liked what I saw with Zach Courier, uh, as you just mentioned not long ago. Um, so I, I'm going to give it to the Water Dogs here. I know the Cannons are really hungry for a win, but I think this team found something offensively last week, putting up 16 goals, so I'm picking them on Friday night. I'm going on the other end here. I'm going with the Cannons. I like the goal-and-a-half as well. Uh, I just think, again, big weekend for the Cannons. They got the Archers there on Sunday, which is, you know, that's going to be a really, really tough game. Obviously, every game is a really, really tough game. But you look at this one, and this is kind of like a must win if you look at it for the Cannons. So I like the Cannons in this one at minus one and a half. Let's move on to Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. on NBCSN and on Peacock. We have that 2019 championship rematch between the Redwoods and the Whipsnakes. Whips favored by a goal and a half with the over-under set at 25 and a half. Who do you got on this one? I'm taking the Redwoods. Uh, I think underdog. that this is – Underdog Harry this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think this is the best rivalry uh, in the league. Um, and it's not close in my mind uh, when you just look at the last couple of games. When, when these two teams play in a big game, uh, it's it's been really excited. Um, and there's really no love lost between these two teams. I, I think the Redwoods defense is going to be happy to not have to guard – Matt Rambo, which is something that they've never had to worry about. Now, there's still plenty of options for, you know, the whip snakes to feast. I think that TD is really going to be challenged by Nardella in this face-off matchup. I think it'll be key here, but I just like the Redwoods. They're a little bit healthier. Jack Neer wasn't on the injury report this week, so I'm assuming he's going to be back. Charlie Bertrand's starting to make an impact in his rookie year. I like where the Woods are headed Whip snakes feel a little bit exhausted. They've played a lot of close games this year, so I'm going to take the Woods getting this one. You mentioned that face-off battle between T.D. Erland and Joe Nardello, something that we have been looking forward to since, uh, you know, obviously T.D. Erland, we knew he was coming into the league. I mean, we were looking forward to this matchup last year when we were hoping he would be a part of that 2020 draft class. But I'm also – or uh, I'm not also. I'm going to go with the Whip Snakes uh, in this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, as you were saying before, so throw the spread out the window. Uh, but I like the Whip Snakes. Uh, you know, you said no Matt Rambo, but other guys have stepped up. I think last weekend's win against the Archers there on Sunday 
was a big measuring stick in terms of, hey, I think this whip snake, they can hang with anybody, whether they have Matt Rambo or not. So I do like the whip snakes in this one, but I expect it to be close. I expect it to be high scoring, uh, despite having Kyle Burlor, one of the league's best goalies, against either Tim Trotton or Jack Kelly. We'll see, obviously, at the start of that game who ends up starting. Uh, but I like the whip snakes, and I like to see a lot of goals. So throughout that 25 and a half thing I was doing there at the beginning of the year, uh, I like the whip snakes. Close one in goals. Let's move on, though, to Saturday night's game, 8.45 p.m. start exclusively on Peacock. We have the Atlas favored by a goal and a half against the Chaos. I'm going on a dog again here. I'm going with Chaos. Uh, I'm picking them in this game. Uh, I think it's it's a bit more of a toss-up than what some people might expect just because the Atlas have played so well recently. But we've seen it this week. It's very easy for teams to come back down to earth. And the Redwoods seemed like one of the best offenses that we were going to see this season in week one. They just got their first win since week one last weekend. So it's tough to win in this league. I think the Chaos probably feel a little bit more pressure to get a win than the Atlas right now because the Atlas are kind of riding high, as I mentioned. Um, so I, I just like Chaos coming out here with a little bit of their uh, chip on their shoulder. They're probably, you know, even though they got the win against the Cannons last week, they're probably a little bit frustrated about, you know, how heated that game got. So I'm going to pick the chaos on this one. Harry saw that uh, underdogs last weekend went positive. He's got all underdogs so far. I've got all the favorites. I'm going with the Atlas here. I like the goal and a half as well, despite uh, that those question marks that we talked about before in goal. Um, but I do like the Atlas in this one. I think Brian Cosby has been incredible. I think Danny Logan, rookie out of Denver, has been uh, – you know, we we questioned it when, obviously, uh, Coach Rubier took uh, – Danny Logan with um, Ryan Tarafenko still on the board. We said, what are you, what are you doing? Ryan Tarafenko still there. Tim Sudan's over here laughing that uh, Ryan Tarafenko slipped all the way to 12. Uh, but Danny Logan has been great. I believe he had a two-pointer and an assist last weekend amongst uh, his cause turnovers and ground balls, uh, you know, with the new triple doubles that, that we've been talking about here with the PLL, two-plus points, two-plus cause turnovers, and two-plus ground balls. Uh, Danny Logan grabbed one of those last weekend among, uh, I believe there were five of them this past weekend. So uh, very exciting stuff there to see, you know, great stat lines put out. Obviously we love to see guys like Zach Curry or like Danny Logan playing those two way roles, but I like the Atlas in this one, minus a goal and a half, the over under set at 24 and a half, uh, even with, um, you know, JD Calaruso starting this game, not the regular Jack on can. I like, I think this one's going to be more low scoring, but we will see obviously 8:45 PM Eastern on Peacock. Let's move over to Sunday. This one will be on NBCSN and Peacock to start uh, at 5.45 there. So I was about to say Sunday afternoon, but this is kind of a late Sunday afternoon with the games being played out in Minnesota. Chrome favored by a goal and a half against the Water Dogs over under set at 23 and a half. Who do you like in this one? I'm taking Chrome in this one. At this point uh, in the year, heading into the All-Star break, I don't really like teams that much coming off the second game um, in a back-to-back doubleheader weekend or whatever you want to call it. Um, and the Water Dogs, I, you know, they have found more consistency since that first week, but still not enough to trust them in two games over the weekend. And good luck to anybody trying to defend Colin Heacock right now. Uh, I like the Chrome in this one for a lot of reasons. Uh, but Colin Heacock, also Jackson Morrill, those two guys right there, I really like the role that they found in the offense for Chrome since Jordan Wolf has gone down. So I like them on, the, on a late Sunday afternoon game. Harry's gone underdogs up to this point. He's got Chrome as the favorite here in this first game on Sunday. I'm going to go with the Wardogs, though. I like it to stay close as well. 
So I got the War Dogs plus a goal and a half. That's, I'd say, mainly my pick. I like the War Dogs to keep this thing close. Uh, but I do think that they get this win, even though, as you're saying, teams have struggled coming off their uh, their second game, their, off, off their first game, I should say, playing in their second game of the weekend for those doubleheaders. But I do like the War Dogs in this one. Uh, I think we see Connor Kelly step up big in both of these games. I, he's been playing great, as we talked about before. Uh, Kieran McCardo, I think, could have a big game uh, in this one. Obviously, Chrome um, dealing with injuries on defense. Obviously, we, we've talked about Jesse Bernhardt, who's hurt. JT Giles-Harris hasn't played yet. Um, but Chrome has figured it out defensively. But I do like the War Dogs to get this win. Let's move on now to Sunday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. We will have the Cannons and the Archers. And as we mentioned before, the Archers coming off those back-to-back losses last weekend. The Cannons, this will be their second game of their doubleheader. The Archers, the only team favored by more than a goal and a half. They are favored by two and a half goals this weekend with the over-under set at 25 and a half. Cannons and Archers, who do you like in this one? Uh, right after I say I don't like to pick teams who are on the back end uh, of a doubleheader, I'm going to do it here with the Cannons. Uh, I think this might surprise a lot of people, especially with the Atlas getting those few extra days of rest and just or the Archers, uh, and, and just with how good that team has been this year, the goal differential. But I just think the Cannons need a win a lot more than the Archers do. Uh, I see them a little bit hungry here to pull off an upset as well, maybe a little bit frustrated, you know, and, and looking at a team that just has loads of offensive talent, has had a ton of success this year. Maybe they're kind of going to look at the archers and, and I don't know, try to try to come out and punch them in the mouth a little bit. So I, I'm going to pick the cannons here. It might surprise a lot of people, but I, I guess I like the underdogs this week. I have that same approach. I feel like there for that Friday night game between the cannons and the war dogs. I think the cannons are going to come out, excuse me, really hungry uh, wanting that win, looking at that game as, hey, this is a must-win game uh, here tonight. Obviously, that being tonight's game there on Peacock. But I like the Archers in this one. I think they get back on track. Um, yeah, I, I think the Archers are just too good to fall to 3-3. Three and three. I think that's just kind of how I'm looking at this game. So I think they're able to get the win, get back on track, up to 4-2. and two. The over-under for this one set at 25.5. I think it soars over. I think this game is going to be fairly wow. high-scoring. Okay. I think it's going to stay close. And I think it's going to be high scoring. So something to watch as that one unfolds on Sunday night. But also before we finish up here, PLL rosters for the All-Star game uh, for next weekend were released. Yesterday, we will be discussing those much more on uh, in more detail on next Friday's show. But ahead of the All-Star weekend, as we should have two team rosters. But Harry, first thoughts here on, on the full rosters as we got the starters. And then that kind of, that kind of caused... Uh, some concern we're like oh this guy's not here this guy's not here they released the reserve there's still guys where you're like this guy should probably be on here out of this guy but what are your first thoughts on these PLO all-star rosters uh my first thoughts uh I, I just feel like Kyle Harrison uh part of the retirement tour here um because he I I love Kyle Harrison I think he's a, he's an awesome player huge impact on the game he's an all-star this year Probably not. Uh also Tim Troutner being uh, listed as a starter is a little bit shocking to me when we don't even know uh, if the guy's going to be starting this weekend. Uh, so that really surprised me as just the first two big things that jumped out there. Uh, and, and there were plenty of Redwoods uh, on the list as well. So I don't know. It, it was purely fan voted. I don't know if there's a lot of Redwoods fans out there. I don't know if just more people have been watching Redwoods games compared to, to other games here on, on Peacock or NBC or wherever people watch. Um, but yeah, the, the two big or the, the biggest one that surprised me was Tim Troutner as a starter, where I think that 
there, there are plenty of other goalies. And that, that to me is John Galloway's spot. It should be Galloway and Reardon, uh, but instead Troutner's there. But, I mean, hey, I, I got to vote. I didn't vote Tim Troutner into the All-Star game, but uh, apparently a lot of other people did as well. Even on that reserve roster, John Galloway not um, in the All-Star game at all. I'd imagine that's more of a he's not a, he's not able to do it kind of thing. That's as we've uh, as kind of we've been hearing here uh, as we after we got those rosters. John Galloway has been playing some of his best lacrosse here of his career this season. But even looking at these reserves, Joe Nardella didn't make uh, the starters, which it, that blows my mind. Zach Goodrich isn't the starter. That blows my mind. Uh, we got a guy like Zach Courier as well, who's not a starter. Mike Earhart, Scott Ratliff, even though it, it was kind of uh, interesting how the all-star voting was was broken up. It was, I think, six attackmen, six middies, but within the midfielders was offensive midfielders, short-stick defensive midfielders, LSMs. You had to pick six of all those guys. So it was kind of difficult to, to get a full, you know, a full roster in yeah. uh, for these all-star rosters, something that we, maybe we see the PLL change there uh, going forward. But Really, first thing that surprised me, Joe Nardella, not a uh, PLL starter. He is in the All-Star game. He'll be in there as a reserve. But, I mean, you got Joe Nardella and you have, uh, I believe the other name was Trevor Baptiste. I, I think you go with Joe Nardella uh, if you have both those guys. I mean, if we see T.D. Irwin and, and Joe Nardella on the same All-Star team, they might not uh, lose the face-off. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, it's yeah, over. They might not <laughs> lose the face-off there uh, come next weekend. But the All-Star game uh, next Sunday, I believe the All-Star game. I flipped here on my calendar way ahead. All-Star game next Sunday, July 18, uh, starting at 7 p.m., followed by the Skills Challenge, which is at 9.45. The festivities taking place out in San Jose, California. So exciting stuff to look forward to. And then we'll have that weekend technically as a bye weekend for the PLL, followed by another official bye weekend before week seven in Colorado Springs. So the season, just like that, we're already in week five. Week six is the All-Star game. Then week seven, we're in Colorado. Week eight, final week of the regular season. So this season flying by pretty quickly here. Yeah, uh, it is, and it's exciting. Like I said at the very beginning, this is the most parity that the league's had, uh, and it's young. It's just its third season, but it makes it really fun because, I mean, I'm trying to predict these games each week, and when you think you know something, you realize a few days later you don't know anything. So. Uh, it's been a fun year. The only bummer is we got a little bit, uh, a couple weeks off with this all-star break and everything. So it'll be a few weeks after this weekend until the season gets kicking again, but it's been fun so far. My picks have been going very poorly. That's a, <laughs> a nice way to say, it. I think my Bose's bets are 14 and 18 right now. I'm going to try to turn that around. I tried to ride the unders. I had my philosophy of, Oh, 26 goals. If the over under is 25 and a half, take the under. That philosophy completely backfired this weekend. So we're probably going to ditch the over-unders for this weekend and see how it goes. Pick some games. As we heard my picks, we'll see how they go. Uh, but, Harry, I want to thank you for joining me today as we look ahead to week five of the PLO season. But that is going to do it for today's show of Goal Line Extended. I want to thank you all for watching and or listening. If you're not already, make sure to subscribe to Goal Line Extended on YouTube and hit that notification bell so that you get notified of future shows. You can also follow along on Instagram and Twitter at GL Extended. All of the links that you will need will be in the description of the video or podcast that you are viewing or watching right now. Um, and make sure to head on over to lacrosseflash.com. You can check out all of our content recapping last weekend, previewing this weekend in Minnesota, which will include our weekly power rankings as the Whip Snakes now above the Archers. We had the Archers there uh, for a hot sec as our number one team. The Whip Snakes 
back up to number one. Dan Arestia's takeaways are available. Jordan Johnson's stars of the week. Noah Lance's hot and cold segment, as we talked about before. Uh, Lyle Thompson made that cold list, so make sure to check that out, as well as Harry and Liam Kelly's fantasy start and set. So make sure to keep your eyes open for all of that. And then on Instagram and Twitter, at Lacrosse Flash, you can find Pat Gregoire's Lax Locks. Ahead of this weekend's games, I'll also be sending out my picks this weekend on Twitter at Ryan Hospice underscore. Like I said, trying to turn around a 14 and 18 record. We will start this weekend trying to get back on track. So make sure to check those out before submitting your wagers ahead of the weekend. Or if you don't want to follow my picks again, uh, all power to you. I'm 14, 18, trying to turn around. Uh, make sure to check those out before submitting those wagers. And then next week, we will be back with the PLL Flash to recap week five in Minnesota. So make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any of it. I hope you all have a great weekend. Enjoy this weekend's games, and we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at GL Extended, and subscribe to the show on any of your favorite podcast outlets. You can find Lacrosse Flash on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and online at lacrosseflash.com.